a teaching series. If this is your first time with us, we're glad you're here. Anything I've said in the past, this is lesson number three on um, what does love look like in your life. And so we've been talking about that. So I'm teaching on uh, the love of God, which is a huge subject in the New Testament. started April 28th. Then I taught uh, May 5th before I went to Nicaragua. This is lesson number three. And the Lord changed my message yesterday. So I had all my notes ready. I have handouts I normally give out, but my secretary didn't have time to get all that ready before service today because I changed the notes yesterday afternoon after a little bit of sleep after I got home. So anyway, but, but I, I tried to go the other way and I couldn't, but it's still on the same subject, just a little bit different. And so we've talked about the love of God and we've talked about uh, the necessity of us walking in love. The New Testament um, uh, really encourages believers to what the Bible calls live a lifestyle of love. And so we talked about that April 28th. We talked about it uh, last time, May 5th, I gave you 16, uh, 16 uh, things you should do with love last Sunday. We went through it fairly quickly. Uh, and this Sunday, you know, when I say you're supposed to love people, most people say, well, well, I do. Well, well I want to clarify that just a little bit because what the Bible talks about with us loving people and the, and the way we should treat them is a little bit different than you think. So I want to uh, shoot, uh, just have an offshoot and talk about that a little bit. Uh, the Bible was originally written, the New Testament particularly was written in the Greek language, um, Old Testament written in Hebrew, and uh, the whole Bible was translated. Uh, in fact, the Old Testament was translated into Greek. Uh, it's called the Septuagint uh, by about 70 Hebrew scholars uh, way before Jesus' time. Uh, way, way a long time ago, anyway, about 170 B.C. or so. And anyway, the New Testament was, uh, was written in Greek. And understand that Greek and English are totally, two totally different kinds of, of languages. The Greek language is extremely colorful. It's very expressive. So if you've noticed, we have lots of different translations of the Bible, and there's reasons for that. The reason is, particularly in the New Testament, I've probably got... Uh, 35, 40 translations of the New Testament on my iPad and in my office. And you say, well, why is it that way? It's because these Greek words, they have more than one shade of meaning and one word doesn't necessarily translate what that word means. So, so for instance, the Greeks, when they, when they would use the word love, we say, I love you. And in one sentence, I can say, I love my wife, I love my children, my grandchildren, I love my dog Bruno, my 10-year-old dog, he's a, he's a boxer lab mix, and he's just full of all kind of whatever, but I love the guy, and uh, you know, I love to go to Nicaragua, I love my friends, uh, and I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, yeah. So you're talking about loving all kinds of stuff, inanimate and inanimate objects, the Greek language is totally different, and the Greeks have four words for love. Now, that's interesting. But it describes four different kinds. So see, often when I teach in English and I say, well, God wants you to love people, you say, well, I already do that. And you kind of turn deaf. You're, no, 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 you don't understand what he means. So I want to explain in the Greek language, four Greek words for love. I can do it fairly quickly. It'll show you clearly the four, the three kinds of human love that you operate in now, but there's one addition that'll make a difference. Is that okay? The first, uh, the first Greek word for love is the word phileo. Look, see it on the screen. That's friendship love. Everybody say phileo. Now, there's a city in America named after that word. Which one is it? Ah, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So um, phileo love is a friendship love. And I say 
that uh, friendship is, and I use the word a reciprocal love. That is, you love some and they, someone and they love you back in return. And, and, and what do I mean by that? You're friends with people that you have commonalities with, yes or no? And let's be real, you've got varying levels of friendship in life. You've got friends at work. And what makes you friends? Well, the commonality is you've got certain kinds of work you do together. So you have similar interests, similar work things, maybe similar work ethics. So you become friends with people at work, right? That's a level of friendship. And understand there are lots of different levels of friendship. And, and you know, your life is filled with that. You can't expect everybody to be a close personal friend, but you'll have a level of friendship with people in your life, right? So, uh, so you got people that you're friends with at work. Then you've got family friends, and they're people in your family, your extended fa- family, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces, cousins, etc. And and there's some of those family members you just soon not look at. But there's other family members that, you know, you kind of got a bond with and, and you have some similarities. I have a double first cousin named Alan. Every time we meet, we connect. He's just like me. It's amazing. Uh, we think alike. We act alike. We got the same DNA. I mean, on both sides of the family, double, God don't have time to explain, double first cousin. It's crazy. But, you know, we have a level of friendship. So then, you know, husbands and wives, how many know there's a level of friendship with husbands and wives? Now watch this. You, uh, the, the reason you marry someone is not because you think they're hot. Now it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be attracted, but you certainly don't want to marry somebody that you got to put a bag on their head because you don't even want to look at them, right? On the other hand, there's got to be more to it than that. How many hear what I'm saying? And watch this. The reason, the reason you want to marry somebody is because you're best friends. Think about it. If you're good friends, you have commonalities, then you know what? You got some reasons to do life together beyond the physical attraction. Yes or no? Susan and I have been married this year 40 years and, uh, you know, I thought she was hot. I mean, I just, I thought, that's a good looking girl right there. And we got to talking. You know what I found out? Man, we think, you know, the truth is I would say something and she would finish the sentence or she would be talking. I would finish the sentence. Sometimes we'd start the same sentence and be saying the same thing. And we still do it because we have commonalities and the fickle, Susan's so different than me. She's laid back. She's a people person. I'm, I'm less get it done yesterday or in South Carolina. We say, get it done while I go. A while ago, a while ago, you know, but, but we're different. That way, but we're so similar with domestic things. We like the same kinds of furniture, same kinds of housing, same kinds of decor, re- redecorating our house. I just painted our bedroom a few weeks ago and she loved the color I love. It was just that way, you know, we like the same kinds of clothing. She dresses me and, and she dresses her. I don't know how to do all that, but you know. But we like the same kinds of clothing, same kinds of food. I mean, it's just the way it is. We like to do similar things. At the same time, we're different. But we have enough commonalities that it makes life fun. So 40 years into the journey, I feel like I just got mad. It's like, man, God, you're good to me. You gave me just an awesome, awesome lady to do life with. How many know you need to be friends? If you're not friends and you're married, work on your friendship. Friendship takes time, yes? Got to move on. So friendship, love. How many know? How many know in church life... Here's, here's the issue with church life. You're probably not going to be friends with everybody in the church our size. In fact, there's probably, if you'd be honest, and I don't want you to be, there's probably some people you probably don't like. 
because your, your personalities are, are so different and, and, and diverse. And, and maybe there's not anything about this particular person or that particular person that, that you have in common, so there's not really a base for the kind of friendship that could be developed, but you know what? You're called to love them anyway. Yes or no? Second kind of love. Let's, so let's move forward. Second kind of love, store game. Everybody say store game. Now, I didn't take the time because I was in a hurry. I didn't put the little asterisk over the E, but it's pronounced storge. And this is affectionate love or a love of feeling, or you could call this family love. So, so this is demonstrated hugging, kissing, holding hands, all that kind of thing, you know, embracing someone. Uh, this is a love. I don't, I'm, I'm, hang on, y'all. I got to do something. This is not working. Trying to get that not to make a weird sound. There we go, it's better. So this is a, a love where you express it. It's expressive physically. So here's my, come here, mother. Y'all, I don't know what I'm doing with my mic, but I hear the wind from my mouth. If there's something I can put over this, I don't know what's wrong today. But anyway, here's my mother. So, so storge. I just storge my mother. She's storgeing me. That's weird, right? We're like hugging. That, that's storge love. And so I can also storge her. You look that way. Storge. Uh, this is also storge. Can, can we walk? Now this is, see, we're holding hands. See, with family members, how many know that's okay, right? That's family love. You can have a seat, Mom. There you go. My mother lives with me. She's a sweet lady. How about give my mom a hand? Thank you, Mom. So that's storge love. That's a love of affection. So storge, now you got to be careful with it. Now, now I'm careful with storge. There's certain people I ain't holding hands with. If you are a lady, I, I'm not holding your hand. I'm not even touching your shoulder. I, I watch how I touch, right? Right? Op opposite sex attractions are real. And see, I'm careful with storge. I'm not going to be kissing on another woman, only my wife, right? And I don't kiss on anybody on the cheek unless it's my mama, maybe my, I have three daughters. Sure, I'm gonna embrace them, kiss them, hug them, hold my daughter's hand, it's cool, right? That's storge, but you gotta be careful with it, opposite sex, right? So I teach my staff team, be careful with the opposite sex, don't be storge, don't do storge stuff. You know, be respectful, be nice, keep that stuff where it belongs, family stuff, right? Family love, they love a feeling, or, or storge could be uh, exemplified um, back um, late 70s. Susan and I got married in 1979. I was 20 years old. I'm 60 today. Now, not today, but now. And um, anyway, we were walking in a mall not long after we were married. And I'm not making this up. My, my first grade school teacher was in the mall with a family member. And she's old and frail. She had to be 90, y'all. I mean, she was old. But I'll never forget her gnarled hands. I'm left-handed, and everybody and their cat tried to make me right-handed, and it didn't work. I'm still left-handed, but she would put her hand on mine, and she would help me make my A's, and then my B's. I remember, and my C's. I remember how she talked. So when I saw her in the mall, I was like, Susan, that's, that's my first-grade teacher, Ms. Moore. I, I went over to her. It's Miss Moore. I know you may not remember. She said, well, that's Mitch. I said, jeez. She had all these students. She knew me. I said, well, Miss Moore, thank you so much for teaching me how to read, how to write. I, I just have loved you all my life. And I, I great embraced her, and I kissed her on the cheek. She's 90 years old, y'all. Now, that's storge, right? So, see, that's a human love. And, and all of us, have, and that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? In the proper place, it's a wonderful thing. Then the third kind of love, everybody say eros. 
Now, what do we get from there? Erotic. That's a sexual attraction. It's not the act of sex. It's merely, merely and mainly the attraction to the opposite sex. And the Greeks call that eros. Now, every normal person has eros working in them. Yes or no? Um, God created Adam from the dirt, Eve from his body, and then he told them, um, watch over the earth and be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And Adam looked at Eve and said, uh-huh. And she looked at him and said, yeah, because they were attracted to one another, right? So in its, in its elementary form, um, eros is simply the sexual attraction, the opposite sex attraction. There is nothing, listen, and I know this is, this is not politically correct, but it's biblically accurate. There is nothing in the scriptures that mandate a God-given same-sex attraction. How many hear me? A male desiring a male, a female desiring a female. That's not scripture. That's not biblical. I would say it really borderlines demonic, and there's a lot of reasons for that. No, that's not my subject today. But the God-given eros is an opposite sex attraction. How many hear me? And in its, in its simplest form, it's absolutely pure. It's only after the fall when, when self-centeredness came in and the flesh rose up and the spirit nature was stymied and died and our relationship with God was cut off. It's only then that eros became twisted, perverted, and wrong. Eros is like a flame in you. How many hear me? Everybody, everybody's looking like, oh my God, he's talking about sex. Oh, I am. Sex is part of life. Psychologists say the second strongest desire in you is for sex. First strongest desire is to eat your food, keep your body, keep your clothes on your body, and put a shelter over your head during the night or during, during bad weather, right? Second strongest desire for sex. So you got to keep that eros in a box. Its place in every life is in a box. How many hear me? And it's not, that flame is never to escape the box. I've got flame, I've got flames in my house. I got three flames in my house. Two of them go year round. And one in the winter, I've got a flame in a box that keeps my house warm, natural gas. I've got natural gas and I've got two of those and that's winter time, but I've got natural gas water and there's a flame there in that natural gas. And as long as it's in the box, it's good. You get the flame out the box, I could be minus a house. Right? So sex is like a flame. Keep it in the box. And the box that sex is supposed to be kept in is called marriage. How many hear me? You have sex outside of marriage. You're letting a flame out of the box. It creates a big fire that could destroy and create tremendous personal destruction. Now, I've been in ministry since 1981. And I've talked to people. And y'all, there's some things I will, that will never, ever come out of my mouth. I vowed to silence. People have sat in my office and with tears told me about things that's happened to them. Somebody let the fire out of the box on them when they were a child or they got involved in this or that or the other. And, and it created, I just can't describe the shame that happens in a human life when this God-given fire gets out of its box. How many know there's forgiveness and mercy in God? You know, how, how many hear me? So, you know, watch that eros, watch that erotic attraction. So, so here's the skinny. If you got friendship, 
And if you've got affection and you display affection towards the opposite sex without this fourth kind of love, you could go to bed with somebody and you're not married to them and it could hinder you. Y'all, I can't even begin to describe the stories I've heard. People whose lives are marred for the rest of their lives because that fire got out of the box. I don't have time to go into detail. I'll probably do a series on sex one day again. Done in the past. It's it's pretty tough. It's fun. Uh, Yeah, we'll learn a lot. But... Nonetheless, the third kind of uh, the third kind of love is eros. Everybody's got it. Keep it under control. How many hear me? Big time. And if you're a parent, you need to be able to talk to your children about it. How many hear me? I got four kids. None of them are here right now, so that's good. So I can say this: they're eight, nine, ten, ten years old or so. I got three girls and a boy, and all all of them, all four, at some point, right around that age, um, I was somewhere. They were with me. Maybe it was church. Maybe it was an outing somewhere. Maybe I took my girls on little dates, and I saw them out the corner of my eye. They're eyeballing this. The little girls are looking at a boy. First time I seen them, I said, "You think he's cute?" A little sheepish looking. Uh huh. I said, yeah, that's good, that's good. What did that tell me? Eros is working, that's good. I mean, she's healthy, no. My little boy, the same thing, you know. We're at church or something, you know, and, and we're in the car maybe, and, and, uh, and, you know, I'm getting ready to start the car, and, and I just notice it, his eyes, here's a little girl, cute little girl, and he's nine years old. John, she thinks he's cute. Sheep is, yeah, yeah. Looked again, yes. Right? That's normal, right? So, so keep that in a box. Eros is to be kept in a box. I don't care how old you are, but keep Eros in the box. It's for marriage. Susan and I, I only fulfill Eros with Susan. And you know what? Nobody knows about it. It's nobody's business but mine and hers. She don't talk about it with anybody else, and neither do I. And if you ask me, I'll just say, shut up. Because that's my, we say in South Carolina, my business, not yours. Right? Eros. So phileo, friendship, love, storge, affectionate love, and then eros, sexual love. And you know, the world says that sex love stuff, man, that's the best stuff going. No, 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 that's the lowest level of love. Some people think that's the highest expression. Oh, we just love one another. And I watch people that I can tell what's going on with people. You can see people in public. I mean, they, there's one body and two heads. They're so close. And they're hugging and they're holding hands and they're kissing. If they don't know Jesus, they got eros big time. And without the next love, agape, that's a tough one. Huh? And it's fulfilled the wrong way. But Hollywood says that's the best kind of love. No, it's the lowest form. And you got to keep it contained. Number four is agape. Everybody say agape. We'll stop with this one. Agape is, is not, it's unnatural to this planet. I didn't get here last service, but real quickly here, and I'm about to close. First uh, John 3, 1 starts off this way. What manner of love the Father has, has placed on us, in us. That word, what manner of, listen to this. The Greek language says, from what country, race, or tribe? How unearthly, how otherworldly is this love? Agape is a stranger to everybody but believers. Did you hear what I just said? Agape, everybody say agape. In fact, first century, the Greek language, Koine Greek was the street language Greek that everybody spoke and it was introduced to the world by Alexander the Great, a great Grecian uh, conqueror. 
And he just, it, the whole world became Koine Greek in the Middle East. And, and that's how the Bible came into being, and that's how things happened. But uh, Koine Greek, uh, agape was hardly ever used just a couple of times in Greek literature prior to the days of Christ. But after the days of Christ, that word agape got to be used a lot. It's an amazing word, and it's an unconditional, it's a self-sacrificial love, and it's a stranger to this planet. And that love gives us an ability to love people we're not friends with, love people we wouldn't want to hold, kiss, hold hands, kiss, hug, or anything, wouldn't want a heart to look at. How many hear me? Loves people who we would never have eros toward, but it enables us to love people with a pure love. It enables us to love our enemies. Huh? It enables us to love people who don't do life the way we do. It enables us to love people who actually do and say things that harm and hurt us. It enables us to love them, and it's called agape. When we come back next time, we're going to start talking about 15 characteristics of agape. And that's the next time is going to be February 20. I mean, February, where'd that come from? May 20. Well, just wait till February. No, I'm kidding. May 26th, last Sunday of the month, Memorial Day, actually. Memorial Day weekend. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to start because the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, 15 characteristics of this agape. And that's the love that we should show towards everyone. Spouse, children, neighbors, relatives, enemies, friends, co-workers, everybody should taste of this love from your life. It's the toughest thing I've personally ever done in my life. But you know what? If you'll walk in love, it'll change every relationship.